Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. If you ever find yourself in court facing fraud charges, most defense attorneys might tell you to play it cool. Donald Trump is not like any other defendant. Zach Schoenfeld covers courts for The Hill. This week, he's reporting on former President Trump's civil trial in Lower Manhattan. And you can see that as on the first day of trial when he walked in. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge. Donald Trump is someone who has attacked judges in all of his cases against him and prosecutors and everyone involved in these legal battles. And Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, has really been one of uh, his oldest now uh, antagonistic relationships. We have a racist Attorney General who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. Uh, so I think there's as much to watch of actually these these legal debates going on between the attorneys and the judge, uh, as well as in the court of public opinion uh, and what Donald Trump is saying to reporters uh, and the cameras outside. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. Former President Trump has a lot going on legally. But with this case, he's not facing criminal charges. He, his oldest sons, and other Trump Organization executives are being charged with fraud over how they've run the family business. So uh, the, the essence of this case is, is really that Donald Trump built his business empire on a fraud. We're not talking about President Donald Trump. We're not talking about presidential candidate or former President Donald Trump. We're talking about Donald Trump, the real estate magnate, and how he built his em business empire that ultimately led him to the White House. And while Trump's not in New York to answer for his mishandling of classified documents, or his attempts to overturn the 2020 election, the stakes in this case are very high. He has the potential to lose control of a significant amount of his business empire. And we're talking about some of his most prized assets. We're talking about Trump Tower in New York. We're talking about his golf courses around the United States, uh, as well as one internationally. Uh, so I think there's both the, the blow that it would uh, give to his image as the Trump brand, but also would be a significant setback in, in the business assets that he continues to own. Today on the show, who is Trump without Trump Tower? I'm Mary C. Curtis, in for Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, 
real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Take us back a little bit. When does New York Attorney General Letitia James start sniffing around Trump's businesses? Letitia James first won election as New York Attorney General in the 2018 midterms. And during her campaign, she had talked about taking on Donald Trump. I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president. He should be charged with obstructing justice. I believe that the president of these United States can be indicted for criminal offenses. Now, at the time he was president, so a lot of that rhetoric was surrounding his administration policies. Letitia James, when she took office, had inherited already ongoing lawsuits uh, against various uh, Trump administration policies and seeking to challenge those in court. But also alongside that rhetoric about the administration policies is Letitia James made it clear that she was also seeking to go after Trump personally. In her victory speech, she told her supporters, I will be shining a bright light into every dark corner of his real estate dealings. So I don't think it was any surprise when she took office on January 1st, 2019, and about two months later began investigating this matter. So tell us a little more about what Trump exactly is accused of here. What did he actually do, according to James? The crux of this case is an allegation that Donald Trump, his businesses, some his CFO at the Trump Organization, as well as some of his adult children who are involved in the business, over a period of about a decade, had on their what's called their statement of financial conditions, uh, had been listing these property values that were essentially fraudulent. Uh, and that he had used different ways to inflate these property values uh, to tr- for his own financial benefits. So whether it be trying to get a net worth uh, so he could say he was worth X amount of dollars, uh, or whether it be to save on real estate taxes or to get uh, a better loan uh, term. So these accusations span across Donald Trump's signature properties. Uh, they span his proper, some, a lot of his properties in New York, including Trump Tower in Manhattan. It spans to Mar-a-Lago, uh, saying that Mar-a-Lago's uh, value had been inflated by the amount of hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, and also to some of his golf courses. They accused Donald Trump of uh, putting on his financial statements that his apartment in Trump Tower was 30,000 square feet, where in actuality it was about 10, 11,000 square feet. They say that led to an overvaluation of tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, so, so really a, a broad scope of allegations that really comes down to Donald Trump was just consistently reporting these values of his real estate empire that weren't actually true. And that includes his net worth, right? That's right. Letitia James' office has said that Donald Trump at times had inflated his net worth in excess of $2 billion uh, in one year. 
She gave the judge a chart of estimations of how much Donald Trump's net worth was inflated based on all these uh, fraudulent values. That top number that they said was exceeding uh, $2 billion. So certainly in terms of the magnitude of the numbers we're talking about uh, is, is quite large. The idea that Trump fraudulently inflated his property values isn't necessarily new. Outlets like WNYC and ProPublica were covering these manipulations back in 2018. Trump's team has argued, essentially, no harm, no foul, that even if Trump's property values were inaccurate, the banks that loaned him money based on those false values still made a profit. But all's well that ends well isn't a viable legal defense, and Judge Arthur and Gorin wasn't convinced. The core of this case is this fraud count that Donald Trump on his financial statements had been putting fraudulent values of his properties. That is the first of seven claims that were brought in this lawsuit. So the ruling that we got last week ruled for Letitia James on that first claim that Donald Trump two of his adult children and his businesses committed fraud. The core of the case has already been proven before we've even gotten to trial. The judge, as part of that ruling, said that was enough that Donald Trump's business licenses in New York need to be stripped and uh, the, the assets need to be handed over to an independent receiver. Uh, so, so certainly even before this trial, Donald Trump has already suffered a significant uh, number of legal losses. Just let that sink in for a second. If this ruling stands, if Trump's business certificates really do get canceled, then Trump, the businessman, will no longer be able to conduct business in New York. It's not clear yet exactly what that would mean for properties like Trump Tower, whether Trump will maintain ownership of them or not. But either way, it's a huge blow to his empire. And all of this happened before this week's trial began. There are still some battles to, to be fought at this trial, those other six claims that have yet to be resolved, uh, as well as also figuring out how much Donald Trump has to pay uh, after he was held liable. Letitia James is seeking a $250 million penalty from Donald Trump. But already this ruling was a huge blow uh, to Donald Trump uh, and this case, really proving uh, the core of Letitia James's accusation. Now, this case has been really contentious so far. Both legal teams tried to keep it from going to trial. What arguments were Trump's lawyers making in his defense? One of the major arguments that we've seen from Donald Trump's team throughout this case is that some a lot of these allegations are time barred. We're talking about financial statements that stretch back uh, to the early 2010s. Uh, and Donald Trump had argued that a lot of these claims that Letitia James has included in her lawsuit, that she waited too long to bring them. And they've passed the statute uh, of limitations. That was an issue that went uh, beyond the trial court up on appeal before uh, this trial began. And an appeals court had narrowed the scope of this lawsuit and gave Donald Trump a partial victory. Now, Donald Trump since then uh, has has tried to get the remaining claims thrown out, uh, but those have have largely fallen flat. The judge has actually sanctioned some of Trump's lawyers for bringing up arguments uh, that they had in the past and that were previously rejected by multiple courts. They've talked about how they view this as a political persecution uh, and that Letitia James is maliciously prosecuting them for uh, him just being a Republican presidential candidate. As journalists, Zach, it feels like 
we might lose some credibility if we're constantly throwing around the word unprecedented. But would you say that the partial ruling in this Trump fraud case is unprecedented? I think for Donald Trump, it certainly is unprecedented. You know, he is someone who has been in legal scrutiny for many decades. And the key strategy that Donald Trump and his lawyers have long employed is to settle, to try to delay, delay, delay any trial. So I think the fact that there was this ruling from the judge last week, the fact that this case is actually going to trial, uh, which doesn't often happen in Trump world, this is uh, you know, something that they try to delay and, and make sure never happens. I think the fact that such this big case uh, has gotten this far already is certainly in some ways unprecedented in Donald Trump's legal world. Um, but we know that this is not going to be the final word and that Donald Trump is going to continue to fight this. He has vowed to appeal that ruling from last week. So I think it still remains to be seen how this case resolves at the very end. Uh, but certainly, if this ruling does stand uh, and that Donald Trump is actually, in fact, stripped of his business licenses in New York, uh, and and decimates part of his real estate empire, I think it would certainly be unprecedented. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. I'm Gabrielle Sierra host of the Why It Matters podcast from the Council on Foreign Relations. Look, the world of international affairs can feel overwhelming and complex, but it also shapes our lives every single day. So it pays to know what's going on out there. Why It Matters is a foreign policy podcast for the rest of us. And with a little bit of humor and a lot of questions, we're here to break down global topics and bring the world home to you. So join us every two weeks on Why It Matters, wherever you listen. In the latest season of Blind Spot from WNYC Studios and the History Channel, join host Kai Wright as he travels back to a pivotal moment in the history of this country. Decades before COVID-19, a virus tore through some of our most vulnerable communities while the wider world looked away. Throughout the season, you'll meet people who demanded that they and their illness be seen. Mothers, children, doctors, nurses, nuns, and sex workers, all leading to a woman who literally helped change the definition of AIDS. Blind Spot, the plague in the shadows. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to understand what is happening in the United States right now, you really need to understand what's happening with the courts, the law, and the Supreme Court. The battle between democracy and whatever this cage match is that we're witnessing, it's going to be won and lost at the ballot box, but it's also going to be won and lost in the courtrooms. I'm Dahlia Lithwick. I host Slate's legal podcast, Amicus, and we are doubling our output bringing you weekly episodes from here on in, because how else can we keep an eye on the many trials of Donald Trump, the conservative legal movement's assaults on our rights, the Supreme Court's latest slate of environmental gutting, gun safety, eviscerating cases on the docket. So follow Amicus wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Saturday morning. Notably, this is a bench trial, not a jury trial. 
And that means it's going to be decided by the judge. So what can you tell me about this particular judge involved in this case? I think what we've seen from this judge before this trial, even, is that he has significant doubts about Donald Trump and his legal team's argument. You can see that in both just the wins that he has already handed to Letitia James, but also just the, some of the way he's conducted himself uh, at times has chastised uh, some of Donald Trump's lawyers. At one point in a recent hearing was, was pounding uh, his fist uh, on the, the desk and the, and the bench in, in front of him. So I think what we've seen from this judge, uh, who I should also uh, mention is, is a Democrat, by the way, um, is that he really does believe Letitia James's core claim uh, that Donald Trump over many years had been fraudulently inflating the values of his different properties. That's not to say that you know, Donald Trump has no chance of winning these remaining claims in this trial. That still remains to be seen. But what we've seen so far is just a series uh, of wins for Letitia James. And we see that Donald Trump has not been shy about expressing his opinion of this judge. That's right. Donald Trump has attacked many of the judges uh, in his cases. But I think this judge in particular, you've seen some of the more piercing criticism uh, as he handed down over these many months since the lawsuit was filed, these different rulings against Donald Trump. Uh, when he walked into the courthouse on the first day of this trial, uh, he railed against uh, the judge just outside the courtroom, uh, calling the judge a, quote, rogue judge, saying that this was a witch hunt, that this was election interference to prevent him from getting back in the 2024 uh, election. He points out that both the judge and Letitia James are both Democrats. Uh, so I think you've seen a tremendous amount of consistent, uh, harsh criticism. Trump's outbursts haven't died down since the trial started either. On Tuesday, he attacked the judge's clerk on Truth Social, calling her Chuck Schumer's girlfriend and posting a link to her Instagram account. The judge responded by issuing a gag order, barring anyone involved in the trial from speaking publicly about court staff. But Trump may be getting a new platform to make his case, the witness stand. And if he does take the stand, that raises the question then of what will he say? And will some of this heated rhetoric about the prosecutor, the judge that he's made outside the courtroom, will that make its way inside the courtroom and actually be put on the record in, in this case? Will he actually continue his attacks on the judge while he is on the stand in the middle of this trial and every single word that he, is, that he speaks is being written down and putting into the official record of this case? And he sued the judge, too, didn't he? What was that about? That's right. Just before uh, this trial began, as part of that last-minute effort to try to delay this trial, uh, he sued the judge, basically saying that the judge had ignored an appeals court ruling and was refusing to follow it. And so then he went back to the appeals court and said, you got to delay the trial uh, so we can sort this out. The judge was represented by his own attorney uh, for the court system. Uh, so sir, it was only a, a short-lived battle uh, that was quickly denied, um, but was certainly a striking moment right before this trial that this judge is going to preside over that he's actually getting sued uh, by the, the, the defendant uh, in this case. I, I wouldn't read too much into it, but I think it certainly shows at minimum that he is taking this case uh, very seriously when you combine that with the fact that he actually showed up to this trial for a few days in person. Um, I, I think shows that he really is taking this case seriously because it really is a big threat to his business empire. So Zach, who else is likely to testify? Is there anybody who really stands out to you? 
In addition to Donald Trump, some of his sons uh, could testify. Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. are the two of Donald Trump's children who are actually named as defendants in this suit. Other people we're likely to see are a variety of people who worked in the Trump organization or worked with the Trump organization. Um, for the first witness that has been called to the stand uh, has been uh, an employee who is helping uh, prepare financial statements for the Trump organization uh, and doing some accounting work, uh, a man by the name of Donald Bender. Um, but these witness lists are, are quite lengthy. Um, the, the witness lists, are, when you combine the prosecutor's witness list and Donald Trump's witness list, it's more than 100 witnesses in total. So it's obvious Trump and his team are not going down without a fight. They've announced their plans to appeal the judge's ruling. Where might that go? I think where you're going to see this case eventually end up is it will be tied up in appeals for a while, however this trial ends. Uh, and so I think it will be a while before you actually get to see the final result uh, of this lawsuit and figure out exactly what assets Donald Trump is going to lose control over, whether he has to pay a financial penalty. That's probably still a ways down the road, simply because Donald Trump has uh, the right to appeal this up multiple levels within the New York uh, state court system. So he could appeal it after this trial, and then whichever way that appeals court rules, whoever loses could then appeal one more level up uh, to, to the state's highest court, the New York Court of Appeals. And all of those things take time. Uh, and as we've seen from Donald Trump in all these cases, he tries to prolong and delay these proceedings as much as possible. Uh, so I still think there, even though we're, we're at a trial and that might seem like, OK, we're nearing the end here. I think in some ways we still could have a long ways to go. Hmm. It's complicated, but this case also seems really meaningful on a couple of levels. There's the matter of whether Trump will be able to continue doing business in New York whether he'll maintain ownership of some of his marquee properties like Trump Tower. But the judge's ruling also strikes at something deeper. And we've talked about that a bit. And that's the image that Donald Trump has built everything on. His whole thing is, I'm this immensely successful businessman, the apprentice. This ruling pretty seriously undermines that. Will it matter to all the people who are his supporters? I'm not sure that it will. As we've seen in Donald Trump's other cases, the four times that he's been indicted, we have not seen his political support in the wake of those indictments go down at all. If anything, uh, his support has stayed the same or even gone up. Uh, and uh, members of his lawyers who I've spoken to about other cases uh, have told me that. They say, if anything, this has helped Donald Trump politically, as he has repeatedly across all of his cases, that's the one running thread that really joins them all together, uh, is that he's attacked all of these cases as being a political witch hunt to prevent him getting back to the White House in 2024. And I think he's been very successful in convincing uh, a significant number of his supporters to not believe what they're hearing from prosecutors and, and to not trust these rulings, uh, and that this is just a different tier of justice for him, uh, is the way he's painted things, uh, and that he's being treated differently. Um, from other defendants. And as we've seen in polling consistently, uh, a lot of his supporters have sided with him on that. Uh, and so I don't think there's any reason to think that if even if Donald Trump is found liable on all of these remaining claims in this lawsuit, whereas it really might strike at his ability to do business in New York, but in terms of his image in the minds of his political supporters, I'm not sure that it will really change things. Well, he's full of bluster. He's raising funds. But this case means a lot to him. He showed up he stands outside the courtroom. He gives these mini campaign speeches. 
He's made these incendiary comments about the case, about all the players. He's even glared at Letitia James, the attorney general. Is all this because this image, his image, means everything to him? I think Donald Trump, as he's faced all of these decades uh, of legal scrutiny, I think he now sees that this is now a very different posture in these cases uh, than they have been in decades past. Whereas Donald Trump for decades, even though he's been investigated many times, he's had lawsuits filed against him. In many cases, he's been able to avoid any real serious consequences. Now, that's not to say he's settled many of these suits. He's had to pay various amounts of money. But, you know, here he is, you know, still standing after all of that uh, and having built quite a large real estate empire. Uh, And I think this case really has proven to be a great threat to Donald Trump's business empire and his ability to do business uh, moving forward. And just the fact that we are at trial, we're no longer, you know, in the early stages of this case. We are no longer uh, at, you know, the initial Uh, hearings in this case, but we've gone through all of these pretrial motions. Donald Trump has tried multiple times to try to get this case thrown out, but was unsuccessful. And now the fact that we're actually at trial, the judge has already issued a ruling saying uh, that that Donald Trump's business licenses in New York need to be stripped. I think the threat is just so much greater than many of his other cases uh, that he's seen in the past. I think this is, is arguably one of the top legal threats Uh, that Donald Trump has faced so far in his lifetime. Thank you, Zach Schoenfeld, for coming on What Next? Thanks for having me. Zach Schoenfeld is a courts and legal reporter for The Hill. That's the show. If you're a fan of What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, and Madeline Ducharme. We're led by Alicia Montgomery, with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary C. Curtis, filling in for Mary Harris. Find me on Twitter. I'm at mcurtisnc3. Thanks for listening. Talk with you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.